Welcome to the Basilea Hollywood Podcast, a community of friends committed to the message and practice of Jesus and His Kingdom. God, I thank you for my friend Nellie. I thank you for her heart. I thank you for her heart that just longs to be near you and understand you. I just thank you that, yeah, she has this hunger for knowledge and, and a heart that wants to see justice and that she does the work of the kingdom. And that's this place of authority she brings when she teaches. We love you, Nellie. Amen. Hey, everybody. Great to see you. Um, so we're going to dive in. This is, uh, is going to be fun. So we're doing a, a teaching series as a team. Um, there's four or five of us on the teaching team, and we really felt like God was leading us to go through um, the character. Really, what's the heart of God? How could we look at different facets of his character? Um, not that we could ever exhaust them all, but we came up with a list, and we're working through them each week. And um, this week, I'm going to talk with us about God as righteous judge. And uh, I picked this one <laughs> partly because I, I really felt like, wow, this is a um, facet of God that I think that I've subconsciously ignored for, for quite a while, and it would probably do me good to, to dive in. And um, I do want to confess to you that this has been hard for me because I'm, I'm seeing things that it are uncomfortable to see, and um, I'd, I'd love to talk, kind of unpack that uncomfortableness a little bit more because I have a feeling that I'm not the only one, that when we think about God as a judge— that uh, we have, a lot of us have uh, very uncomfortable uh, ideas and feelings around that, okay? But let me pray uh, just to get us started. I, I know Susan's already prayed for me, but I just feel like I need to. So Lord, we invite your Holy Spirit to speak to us through your word. I invite you to uh, say things today that maybe I didn't plan to say, and I just want to tell you I'm open to you, and I invite you, Lord, to do good things in showing us of more of your character today. Open something up that's been closed. Unlock doors that have been locked today. We invite you, Jesus, to do this through your power. In your name we pray. Amen. So <clears throat> I want to start with this idea of um, God is judged, just kind of in black and white. So uh, I have an idea of why I, I'm a little uncomfortable with this idea. Am I the only one, or has anyone else felt like, man, this is kind of an uncomfortable... Okay, okay, good. So just, just checking, yeah. <laughs> um, so I was trying to think through, well, why exactly... Why do I avoid God as judge in my life? You know, I'm someone that's, I've committed my life to following Jesus. I, I love to read the scriptures, but I still think I skip over the stuff in the Bible, actually, 
quite often when it talks about God as judge. And I'm going to dig in with all of you into some of those areas today. But what I think is happening, what, what the Holy Spirit is illuminating to me at least, is that one of the reasons that I avoid thinking about God as a judge is that I have authority issues. And I don't like to be told what to do, and I don't like to be told what's a yes and a no. And so ultimately, a big part of why this is uncomfortable for me is that I like to be in control. <laughs> Another reason is, and I don't put, cast blame, because I do think this is something I participate in, we live in a culture that tells us that there's, there is no authority, that we're, we're our best authority, that if it feels good, we should do it, that desires are trustworthy, that um, you know, boundaries aren't necessary. Um, we live in a world that affirms this, and it's, it's kind of everywhere. And um, it's a counter-narrative to, to what we see in Scripture. It's a counter-narrative to what we know is true um, of God. Um, so let's dive into this a little bit together. Um, I want to start with Isaiah 6. Uh, part of the reason I want to start in Isaiah is because we're, we're doing a Bible study on Wednesday mornings. This is my plug, my one plug. Uh, starts at 7.30, goes 7.30 to 8.30 in Highland Park at Civil Coffee. Anybody's welcome to join. Um, it's pretty 7.30 to 8.30 sharp. We hang out a little bit before that. But we're studying the book of Isaiah together. Wednesday mornings, yeah. <clears throat> this is actually part of the reading for this week, so we're doing five chapters a week. But yeah, let's look at Isaiah 6. Would everybody stand and read this aloud with me? I feel, I feel as if it's important sometimes to read scripture aloud as a group so we can hear it with our ears and with our mouths. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook and the temple was filled with smoke. You know, I think there's something right before that. Should start with, in the year that King Uzziah died. Maybe we can start over. There it is. Let's, let's read this part. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet. And with two, they were flying. And they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. You can have a seat. So what is this? It's a prophetic picture in Isaiah that you can also see in other parts of the Bible, particularly in Revelation, where we're given a glimpse of what's going on in heaven. We're given a very clear picture of these crazy creatures with wings and there's singing happening. And there's constant, this constant resound where they're singing this 
Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full with his, with his glory. And so we have a picture of heaven, of God on the throne, and this song constantly happening, affirming that he's the one in charge and he's holy. And this fits into, uh, this is the best way I could think of to start this message, because we're looking at God as a righteous judge who's completely other from us, who's completely trustworthy, who's completely holy and perfect and loving and merciful. And I think God is asking us to remember, to keep in perspective the, the largeness of who he is and to not diminish him, to not make him small as we are just because it's more comfortable. Um, particularly in our tradition, because our, our vineyard faith tradition in many ways, we're, um, we love to hear from God. We love to welcome the Holy Spirit. Um, but doing rituals that remind us that God is huge and we are very small is something that typically happens in what's called high church. So like more liturgical, um, you know, big cathedrals, Roman Catholic um, traditions, for example. And we could use, we could probably use more of that. That's why I'm really happy that we've been doing the Eucharist every Sunday. <laughs> because we need these rituals and reminders. So let that be a starting point for us. God's holiness. He is a judge that sits on the throne that is completely other from us, just like Chris talked about last week. And we have to continually come back to him and, and really, I think, repent that we've made him in our image, that we have an image in our mind that looks a lot like us when we think about God. But we need to allow him to be God. <laughs> so I want to move on from there. This isn't a slide because this is kind of a last-minute ad. But I want to move on to, there, um, to Isaiah 9. This is something that um, really kind of blew me away as I was even just thinking about sharing this morning. So in Isaiah 9, just a couple chapters later, there's um, a vision of a time when a child would be given to us. And this child, in verse 6, it speaks of this child being one where authority would rest on his shoulders. And he would be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And it says this, his authority shall grow continually. And there shall be endless peace for the throne of David and his kingdom. And he will establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness. And it's a picture of Jesus. It's a picture of the coming, the coming Christ child. And what's interesting to me is that as, I'm, as I was even preparing for this message, the thing that I kept coming back to as to why I think I avoid God as thinking of him as a judge is that I take him for granted because Jesus has taken the hit for us. Amen? He's take, Jesus has taken the hit for us on the cross and experienced the judgment that was meant for us. And this is a very uh, 
not just weighty thing, but something that we kind of live in the shadow of. And so as I was thinking through God as being a judge, I kept thinking, you know what, I really, it feels like I need to refind Jesus again. <laughs> I feel like I, of all of the, you know, the, the parts of the Trinity, I think I, I think I really overlook Jesus. And, and I was just kind of confessing to Troy and Suze. In some ways, I feel like I use him. Like I, when I need something that, to happen in my life and I need, you know, I'm, and I'm in that place of prayer or like I'm praying for somebody else and I talk about, I pray in the name of Jesus and I know that there's power in his name. There's definitely part of me that I'm in a space personally where I think I've been taking him for granted just as a person. And I'm excited for the Lord, maybe even just through preparing for this message, message for this journey to restart with me. Maybe it's the same for you. I don't know. But he is the one. Jesus is the one who will judge the earth. <laughs> and this is a reality that we have to face. Every person does. Scripture says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's repeated. We're all going to stand in front of him one day. All of us. And so that should give us pause, right? I've been thinking lately about the things in my life that um, I trust more than uh, God's authority and the ways in which I um, avoid him. Uh, some of that, I think, is just self-reliance and um, just wanting to be in charge of my own life. But there have been times when it's been, you know, I've put, I've put my trust in uh, relationships or money. Money can very easily become an idol for me. And uh, a friend of mine just recently was telling me this story. And... Uh, they were talking about how they went skydiving and how it was a kind of frightening experience, not, not really an exciting experience, but a frightening one. And they said it was frightening because at the last minute, uh, the person, the tandem jumper, the professional jumper that he was jumping with, um, he wasn't prepared. He kind of showed up at the, the skydiving space at the very, very last moment before they were supposed to hop in the plane and everyone else had their jumper ready to go. And he gets on the plane and he doesn't really know what's happening and the guy's like, okay, all you have to do is jump, ready? And then he just pretty much pushes him out of the plane. And he lands and everything's fine, he doesn't die. You know, he had this exciting experience. But he walked away and said to himself, I don't know if that was the smartest thing. I don't think I'm ever gonna do that again. And uh, another friend of mine, um, who, who isn't a follower of Jesus, she looked at me and said, that's how all you religious people are anyway. And I went, hmm, that's interesting. And I've been thinking about what she said. And the picture that keeps coming to my mind is, 
yeah, if, we're, if, we're, if we call ourselves followers, followers of Jesus, we are continuously jumping out of the plane, strapping ourselves to him, this person that we can't see, this person that we can only read about, this person that tradition through songs that have been passed down through the ages, we sing about and we believe, you know, once was dead and now is alive. But the reality is, Every day, we're strapping ourselves to something and jumping out of a plane. Everyone is, whether that's ourself, whether that's a relationship, whether that's a career. And the question is, is that really trust? Is that trustworthy? Has that proved, proved itself to you? So I feel like I am being brought back to God as the righteous judge that is really worth my attention and worth refocusing on for who he is as a judge. Now, I was talking with Jeremy about this earlier. I may have him share after I speak, but um, one of the things that is also really uncomfortable to me about uh, God as judge is that when I consider the fact that he is a righteous judge and that one day I really will stand in front of him and we'll, we'll have to give an account for my life. I mean, Jesus said, we will have to give an account for every, every word that we've said. That's pretty intense, right? There's definitely part of me that skips over and avoids scripture that are uncomfortable because I don't like being offended. And I felt like the Lord said, for us as a community, maybe we're all doing this in some way. <laughs> maybe we're avoiding scripture because we, we don't want to confront the authority of God as a, as a righteous judge. We don't want to confront the parts that will actually be very uncomfortable to read about. And I want to challenge us and, and myself that it's worth it. <laughs> and that we will find more and more of our true fulfillment and wholeness as we pursue the God of the Bible. <laughs> Don't let me forget to come back to your story because I, I really think it'll be helpful at the end. So I've been thinking about God as judge, and there's this verse in Psalm uh, 89 that I want to look at. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Faithful love and truth go before you. If you were here a couple weeks ago when I talked about God's hesed love, his constantly giving, faithful, sacrificial, merciful, kind love, that's what that word is there for faithful love. I love the Psalms because over and over again, there's this gnarly picture of God and his perfection, God and his authority, but then also the reality of his faithful love and mercy. His love that is actually completely illogical. It doesn't make sense. And his his judgment and his justice are two faces of the same coin. 
right? So we can't really have one without the other. And so the God that we serve is so trustworthy as shown through Jesus in his sacrifice for us, as shown by the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, that we can expect not just his judgment in our life as a judge, but his mercy. I want to tell you a quick story that I think illustrates this. So a friend of mine in New York, this is actually one of my mom's best friends. Her name's Patty. Patty owns this uh, fish fry in, in New York. And uh, she's kind of famous in the area because she's, she's had this fish fry for like ever. And um, they bring in lots of fish, they fry it, and then they sell it. And it's very good. It's tasty. One day, she was with her mom, and she had just picked up all, all of the money from the bank. And uh, she realized a $50 bill that got dropped. Now, she didn't see it all happen, but within a matter of, like, she's a mom, so she has this, like, eyes in the back of her head. And then she had this sense, because she saw this guy walk by, and then she realized, oh, that guy took the 50. So her instinct, I've told other stories like this of other women. <laughs> her instinct was to run after the guy and demand that he give the money back. So she literally chases him down the street, and apparently, this is a really cute part of the story, but apparently people in the neighborhood saw her chasing him and was like, go fish lady, go fish lady. <laughs> and so she got to him and was basically like, hey, you took my $50, I know you did. And he, he was kind of like, ah, okay, yeah, I did. And she demanded that he give it back. She's just very brave. And, um, she got the $50 back, and then, here's the part that blows my mind. She invited him back and fed him dinner. And that is a story of God's merciful judgment and love. It's very similar to the prodigal son who wastes his whole inheritance, makes a mockery of his father and his family, comes home to say, I'm sorry, because he's caught, essentially, and the, and the father throws him a party. This is the posture of God as righteous judge with open arms towards all humanity. Let's look at Psalm um, 94. Happy are those whom you discipline, O Lord, and whom you teach out of your law, giving them respite from days of trouble. Here's another uh, aspect of God as judge that is something I'm learning. <laughs> Maybe you are too. One aspect of his judgment is he, clears, he, he draws really clear boundaries for us. And we can choose whether to receive him as judge now today, while it's still today, and allow him to change us. And what does that look like? It looks like him being the perfect parent. It looks like him disciplining us by telling us through that still small voice that we hear that something needs to change, that there's somebody we need to forgive, that the direction that we're moving in our life is, is creating more confusion than peace. 
that there's someone that we need to apologize to, that there's an attitude in our heart that we need to literally turn away from and continuously say, no, this is not, this is not the best thing for my life. And as we do that, we're promised a respite from days of trouble. And so as we experience God as a righteous judge and we invite him to judge us, to judge our hearts, to judge the patterns that we're in, the rituals that we do day in, day out without even thinking about it that become automatic, that our brains just do, that are forming us as people, as we invite him to judge those things, it will be really uncomfortable. But if we surrender to him and allow him to do the work, we will be changed. And we will be protected from trouble. I've talked a lot about my little bestie, uh, Vera, who's four. Um, the other day, we were uh, walking across the street with her and her mom and her other two sisters. And um, Vera is older and doesn't always hold our hand anymore. And I'm like her auntie. And we were at an, at an intersection. And the, I had the absolute panic of my life because there was car, a car that was flying by and she was starting to run into traffic. And I grabbed her at the very last minute and said, no! And just kept thanking God that, like, nothing happened. And she was fine. And she didn't even, honestly, she had no idea how close she was to being killed, honestly. Like, it was very scary to me. I turned back to her mom and went, <sighs> she was like, no. And it's such a clear picture to me of how God creates clear boundaries for us. In his word, whether we like it or not, he knows things. He knows what we need to stay out of not just trouble, but death, spiritual, emotional, uh, life that is uh, only half life. <laughs> and as we submit to him and as we, and as we say yes to Jesus daily, and as we invite him to be a judge, to be the righteous judge in our life, we will see ourselves protected. And we may never know the danger that was just inches away until we see him face to face and we have that conversation. <laughs> Isn't it just so uh, wonderful of God that in Jesus, because of his sacrifice, that mercy triumphs over judgment. We sing that. That's one of the songs that we sing here. Mercy triumphs over judgment. But let us not forget that we don't get to the mercy without Jesus. Let us not forget that there's no skipping over him, that he is the one who's earned that for us. And also let us not forget that it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. It's, he's not the kind of judge that is hammering 
a gavel against our brain, forcing us to do something that we don't want to do. He is kind and gentle. And as we get to know his character more, the more we'll be sure that we're hearing from him. Because the more we spend time with him in his word, the more we spend time in community and prayer together, the more time we spend worshiping him, singing things that are true, the more we'll be able to discern the voice of the Holy Spirit who is drawing us with literally cords of kindness back to God and the voice of the enemy that's an accuser and a condemner because they are two very different voices. And one will lead you to towards terrible things. So let's stand together as we as we close. Danae, could you put um, Psalm eighty nine back up on the dealio? Let's open our hands together. We want to invite God to uh, speak to us personally this morning. So God, we surrender to you best we can. We ask for your help. We ask that you would be a judge. We ask that you would Show us where we're off course. We ask that you would realign us so that we could be walking more in step with Jesus to imitate his life. That is what we want. We want, we want a life of impact. We want to see things change. We want to see injustice in our world made right. We want... We want tangible change. I feel like the Lord is highlighting um, right now. There's different people in the room that have very specific uh, calls to fight for justice in very specific ways. And I feel like the Lord is saying, receive me as judge right now and receive this aspect of my character so that I can show you more of your place to eradicate injustice. And I, I want to um, pray over that this morning. Yeah, could you put your hand up if you feel like that's one of, if that's you, if there's like an area of injustice that you feel called to kind of fight, like it could be specific or it could be general because we want to pray for you. And if that's not you, Pray with me right now. So Lord, we, again, we submit to you. We want to know you as righteous judge. We want you to search our hearts and minds. So we ask you to, this morning, as we kind of sit in silence for a bit, bring to mind something you want us to know.
What do you want to highlight, Holy Spirit? 